Welcome to a drink of wisdom. Nathan Drigard, I'm Jake Wise. Thanks for spending some of your time with us. As a reminder, we're on Anchor, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. If you're looking for the show in the video format, you can find it up at the A Drink of Wisdom YouTube channel. Drink, great to have you along on this fantastic Friday. Listen, glad to be along on this fruitful Friday. You know what it is. I know you're ready to get into it, so I ain't even gonna waste no time. Without further ado, it's another day, another dollar. We give the streets what they need. We see what they don't and say what they want. Set your plates, cause it's time to eat. But last but not least, let's talk some sports, baby. What we got today, Jay? We're going straight to it, just like I like it. This is episode 18 of season three. We'll talk Patriots, Falcons, Lakers, Bucks, and we're gonna preview the weekend in college football. But to start this off, you know what time it is. We got to talk about this new COVID protocol for Thanksgiving. The NFL is laying down. Yes, folks, the NFL has decided to do it again, to change the rules, move the goal line, look at it however you want to look at it, because they got to keep everybody safe. So with that said, Jake, how you feeling about this, man? How you feeling about this new change in the NFL? I don't like it. Uh, it's it's subjective. It's arbitrary, which are uh, which is seems to be most of these things. Um, the the justification is, I guess, with the uptick in travel during uh, the Thanksgiving season, um, they're concerned about family members coming into town and bringing the COVID with them and spreading it all around everybody. So um, they've they've decreed that it's important for everybody to get tested now at some point that, you know, they unvaccinated players, they got to deal with the regular, uh, but now, you know, regardless of whatever, like the vax, the, the fully vaccinated um, are going to have to get tested. I think either Monday or Wednesday of the following week after Thanksgiving, just to make sure they're good. Um, you also have, you know, the, the most recent batch of tests that they did, from uh, the October 31st to November 13th. They had 81 positive tests. Then you look at pretty much from the first two months, um, September 5th through October 30th, they only had 97, well, they had 97, and that's over a two month period, basically vice 81 players through two weeks. So I don't know what the percentage is of how big of an uptick that is, but it, it's something they're concerned about. I would like to know um, how many of those 81 players that tested positive are fully vaccinated. Uh, I, I'd like to know that. I noticed that that is not in the reporting that I've read. Uh, we do know um, that the big, I think the big, um, the big name that's had a positive test recently is Nick Chubb, uh, Brown's running back, who I think we're both somewhat reliant on, on our uh, dwindling fantasy football hopes. So we have that in play. Yeah, he's been right. recently pulled off the COVID list. So that's that's kind of good. But I mean, that's but that's what I'm thinking about. Like, so just we have that example, you know, we we get kind of the the narrative that seemingly gets shoved down people's throats is like this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, I'm not sure. I'd like to let's go down to New Orleans and look at the coaching staff who, you know, they had an 100% vaccination rate and yet like what eight eight coaches had had it. So uh this is these are the type of things that you know if you're just if you're just reading this and taking it you know as you see it you might start to ask questions about i don't know the vaccine uh because it would seem as if you know the the vaccination rates are really high um i don't know for some of these teams i don't know if they can get any higher and you know if you you know we were led to believe which goes back to the whole 
uh, moving the goal line or goal post or whatever they're moving, that, I mean, there's got to be an end to this at some point. And if there's not going to be an end, well, we just have to, I think you have to let people at some point uh, go about their lives the way they want to go about their lives. You know, I, I think I'm real big on personal responsibility and making the best decisions as individuals and family units. Uh, I think if you're an elderly person, if you got an underlying condition, then I think, you know, it's probably in your best interest to get the vaccine and get the, the next vaccine and just everything that they got coming because they got more coming. They got the assembly line. They got the boosters coming in next. They're coming in hot. But if you're, you know, these athletes, generally speaking, uh, you know, the healthiest, the healthiest among us in the prime of their lives, I, th I think some of this is a little bit overdone. Not saying that there aren't occurrences, whether it be Jason, maybe Jason Tatum, who I think he has some difficulties with it. I'm not saying, you know, everybody's going to be immune or everybody's not going to, you know, you know, have a have an easy time if they catch coronavirus. But to just subject an entire population and, uh, you know, shut down the economy, shut down the schools, all these other things that we have done uh, for the good of public health, but the detriment of the rest of society. You know, I just think at this point, you know, about what, 20 months into this thing, I mean, there's just certain things I wouldn't be dealing with. Like this whole idea that I don't know, I don't believe that, I don't know if they, I don't think they can enforce this, but the thing why, uh, well, we want all the, all the family members and all the uh, people coming in, however they're getting there. You know, I imagine some people are flying in or whatever they're doing. You know, if you come in to visit and stay with uh, your family or whatever you're doing, well, you need to get tested. And uh, they're going to have everybody, I guess, you know, set up drive through testing and, you need to get this testing done before you interact with the the players and staff that your family members uh how about how about not how about you go you know go kick rocks pound sand uh we could throw some more colorful language in but we try to keep it somewhat family friendly so i won't but i just you know some of this stuff is just so over the top it's so foolish and i'm just i'm almost numb to it i mean i'm not up in here acting crazy today i'm not yelling I'm not be I'm not pulling a Stephen A. Smith and just being hyperbolic about everything. I'm just I'm just tired. Like the the, the turn like I got COVID fatigue. I've had it for a while now, but I'm just I'm just so over it, man. Um, and I know it's I know people are still dying. I get all that, but you know we can't. You know the I, the thing that I mean the there's nothing revolutionary that they're coming out with. There's nothing next level to like man. We got something new. Hey. I know we did social distancing, we did masks, we did vaccines, we've done all these things. Oh, we got another spike. Well, we're just going to double and triple down on everything we've been doing. And I mean, that hasn't stopped anything, Drink. That hasn't stopped. It hasn't stopped the virus. And if it has slowed it down, well, I mean, Drink, if I go 35 miles per hour down the road, vice 65 miles per hour, I'm, st I'm still going to get where I'm going. I'm just, it won't be as fast. It's the same thing with vi with the virus. It's going to do what it does. I mean, that's the whole thing about fighting something that's invisible. I mean, good luck. So I'm just over it. I think some of this stuff is draconian. I think the whole, now they got to have video cameras to make sure everybody's wearing masks. Even if it's, if, I mean, even if they're outside drink, that's not rooted in science. I don't believe that's rooted in science at all. So I'm over it. I'm tired of it. And I think some of this stuff as it results to like family members and then wanting to regulate those type of interactions, just, 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 I'd look at the, if I'm a player in the NFL, like I would just, just roll my eyes and do what I want. So 
you know, I, I got one basic point, and that point, you know, I, I kind of harped on uh, in the past is, what's the benefit? Like, I, I would love to know what's the benefit of, for me as an NFL player now to go out and get vaccinated because. If I go get vaccinated two months later, you change the rules and just lump me in. Then you try to ease up the rules and, hey, if you're vaccinated, all you got to do is this. If you're unvaccinated, you got to do all this. So then I say, okay, cool. Let me go and get, you know, this vaccination. Now the booster shots rolling around. I got I to gotta think at some point they're going to incentivize booster shots. So if you get the booster shot, you don't have to do all these things. If you don't get the booster shot, then you got to do these things. The problem with that at this point, if I'm an NFL player, yeah, that's, that sounds good for a two-month window, but then something else is going to happen, and then you're going to come right back in here and say, everybody got to wear a mask, everybody got to get tested daily, everybody got to do this, that, and the third. When does it stop, man? I just feel like, listen, in five yards, you can score a touchdown. No, 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 let's make that 10. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute, 15. Hold up, 20. Like, you know what I'm saying? Why we keep changing this? Like, is the protocol going to stay the same for at least a year? Can we get the protocol to stay the same? I got it. This is a fluent situation. It's always changing. I got that. But this is downright ridiculous. You want what, you want to give my, my family a, a cavity search damn near before I can go and tell them Happy Thanksgiving? Like, Listen, I got it. I make a lot of money. So, I mean, I guess as an NFL player, I can't complain about nothing because I make so much money. Even though the little the little bit of individuality that I do have, which is bringing my family in and get to enjoy my personal people, my private people, and now you're trying to control that as well, it's just unacceptable. I know um, to your point, like we was talking about this before the show, at some point, when do players start saying, you know what, man, when do they pull the Ben Simmons and, you know, Ben Simmons for other reasons, but when do they say, you know what, yeah, you can have that game check, I'm out of here, I'm a, I'm a, I'll be at the house, y'all find me my game check, whatever, whatever, and we'll be at the house. Like you said. How would it be if we, we pull up to, you know, the Dallas and the Raiders? I, I think it's the Raiders and, and the Cowboys. And it's no Dak. It's no Zeke. It's no C.D. Lamb. You know, I I got top, I got Cooper Rush and Tony Pollard for you. Enjoy that. But will we watch it? Probably. But then when we realize they're not playing because of this additional Thanksgiving protocol, it will start making us as fans wonder, like, what like what's the point you you're you're messing up the product to keep hounding this this process i'm not saying covid is not real i'm not saying covid is not killing people but what i am saying it seems like every company every organization even in 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 the, in the government as soon as we hit a friction point the answer is blanket everybody make everybody do the same and double up on the same program that's just, that's not, what are we doing? That's not acceptable. When are we going to get back to this being a personal choice? Are we ever going to get back to this being a personal choice? Because it, this is just getting crazy. The, okay, so you did testing and it seems like your rates went up about maybe 20 to 
So now everybody got to do all, all this unnecessary stuff. Why did I go get vaccinated? I should have just flopped around here and pulled a, a, a so-and-so. I could have I could have pulled an Aaron Rodgers. And I'm, and, you know, <laughs> I might as well just did yep. that because, I mean, mm -hmm. at, at least he's not going doing some unnecessary crap when he went out and did what he was supposed to do. He's in, uh, he's in hot water for not doing what he's supposed to do. So now if he had to do all this, this is just what he should have been doing in the past. But, like, if I'm a guy that did everything according to the NFL structure, what do I get? What What is my benefit from all this? And I, I, I just I don't care for the fact that you're blaming people for doing what they got to do just because you're scared that it's players out there that didn't do what they had to do. Or you're scared that family members going to come in. Listen, you're not going to stop the human race. Like, I don't know what's going on here, but... These guys, every guy in that NFL locker room has a family, whether that be a player, a staff member, a coach, uh, in, you know, the water boy, the ball boy, like everybody got a family. Thanksgiving is a family holiday. Christmas is a family holiday. They're going to meet their families. You can't control every single movement. Oh, uh, we want to put cameras in. Uh, whatever. It's your organization. Put cameras wherever you want to. You get you're getting like borderline invasion of privacy here, but you know who cares nowadays? Just do whatever you want to do. So I I just don't like like I said in the beginning, they're moving the goalposts. I don't appreciate that as a just a normal American citizen. I know they don't appreciate that as athletes. They, at some point, where's the cap at? Where, where, where do we stop this nonsense? And I think um, you know just just another point. Uh, you know a lot of times, and we. You know, if, you're, if you've been paying attention, you know, to certain elected officials who have the most strictest of protocols for their their city or their state or, you know, what have you, they're generally the ones who are caught not following the rules. So then to that point, it, it almost is like, so the people that come up to this um, in the league office or wherever, think about the think about the people who are reviewing the, the surveillance footage. I mean, you you think some of this is like, Remember like after 9-11, you have the security state and now we, we, we got to give got the Patriot Act and we got all these other things to like make you safe. And now that now, now it's like the same kind of thing, like, but it's just public health. Like, oh, now we need now we need security cameras everywhere just to make sure you didn't cough on someone or just you had your oh, my God, you had your face covered, uh, uncovered 10 seconds after you took that bite. What do you God? What are, you, what are you, a domestic terrorist? Like, just what, and, but the people that watch this footage at the league office, like, I, and like, you know, are making these policies. I, I wonder, are they like, I, I hope they're the most diligent, mask wearing, vaccinated, booster, social distance. Uh, I really hope they are just the pinnacle of COVID protocols. I really do. But the whole thing, you, you said what I was, the next thing I'm concerned about, because you know we're heading into that period of the year where it's not just Thanksgiving; it's other things that are coming up. You can see the old, you know, you can tell that we're early around here with the old Christmas decorations. But uh, you know, this is just a this is almost to me it's just a pretext for that they're going to have similar things. They'll do the same things for Christmas, for New Year's. Um, it's almost like. You know, what is even the point of, so what are we going to do? We're going to have Thanksgiving and then we're going to cut down. We're going to let everybody relax for a few weeks. And then we just going to turn up again on this. That's, I mean, that, that'd be the, that'd be the question I'm asking if I'm a player, like, 
so do I have to put up with this for like, you know, Christmas and New Year's too? Like, I don't know, man. I think we're in agreement on this. I think it's a bit much. And uh, I'm just, you know, so on some levels, like I am, I am disappointed with people. Like, I, I think there should be mass civil disobedience on this. Just like, oh, you want me to cover my face uh, whenever I go out in public? Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually not going to do that. I don't think. And I'll go down. I'll go back to the, like the most basic principle that I think this boils down to. You don't live in a free society if you have to walk around with your face covered. It's just, it's just true. We now move on to Thursday night football, where the New England Patriots won for the fifth straight game as they beat the Atlanta Falcons 25 nothing last night. The Falcons, meanwhile, fall to four and six. They've now, after being four and four and a surprising uh, four and four, they're now four and six. They've been outscored 68 to three the last uh, two weeks. Uh, for the Patriots, Mac Jones, 22 out of 26, 207 yards, a touchdown interception. Uh, good night to run the football for Damian Harris and Ramondary Stevenson. A receiving touchdown from Nelson Aguilar. Defense had a really big night, as evidenced by the Falcons scoring uh, nothing. Cal uh, Van Noy, two sacks and an interception return for a touchdown. You also had interceptions from J.C. Jackson, Devin McCourty, and Adrian Phillips. Matt Ryan did not throw all of those interceptions. He was removed from the game in the second half. He ends up 19-28, 153 yards and two picks. And Russell Gage, his top target on the night, five catches, uh, 49 yards. Uh, drink. Uh, what do you make? What do you make of this Thursday night football result from uh, from either side? Well, from the result, I think the results match what we thought we was going to get. Um, maybe not a goose egg by the Falcons, but listen, they only scored three points last week, so you didn't. We didn't see them coming out here with the whopping thirty-five either, right? Um, but for New England, um, I think so. Uh, you know. I, I really like what New England did. You got to think. This team played on Sunday. They dropped 45. They beat, I mean, just beat the, the you know, the, the logo off Cleveland on, on Sunday. They dropped 45. I think they beat them like 45 to 3 or 45 to like 10 or something, something like that, right? Then they turn around on a short week and they play on Thursday. The most dreadful thing that NFL teams do is play on Sunday then turn around and play on Thursday, right? And... I really like what the Patriots did. Like, I felt like when I was watching them, I, I felt what Bill was doing. Like, his thing was, listen, we just played on Thursday. You know, we shown that we're capable of putting up some points. We're playing an inferior team, even though Bill won't say that. But they was playing a clearly inferior team. Then they just played on Sunday. And I think, honestly... He, he didn't press the gas. I, I just felt like this was a very conservative game. I felt like he didn't ask Mac Jones to, to – look, I think Mac Jones threw the ball over 30 yards one time and that was a pick. Like, he, he didn't go crazy in this game, and I don't think he was asked to go crazy in this game. All he was asked to do, you know, what, what a lot of quarterbacks ask, just manage. Just manage. We got a good defense. We get enough on the ground. They can't do anything offensively. And honestly, if the Patriots would have been forcing the issue, I don't think they could have did anything defensively if, if they really pushed the issue. Um, I just think Bill, you know, being the veteran savvy coach he is, he knows that they're going into a bye week. He know what just happened on Sunday. He got a young quarterback. He wanted his team to get out about as healthy as he can get them out. So they took their time. 
I think that's what that's what resulted in, in the twenty five nothing um final score because the Patriots didn't I don't I don't think they went for the gusto. They just went for enough to win the game. You know, twenty one probably was enough for them to win the game, but they end up with twenty five. And as you can see, the Falcons just and look, this is what people gotta understand. The Falcons had opportunities. They was inside they was inside the red zone at least three different occasions throughout this game. And they came back with the zippity zip zip zippo like so it wasn't like the falcons couldn't put points up they just didn't put points up um so i mean i i don't know man this is listen <laughs> it's funny we was talking about this and you were saying hey you know the, the the patriots the wide receiver core can be worse and i was like yes they could be the falcons because them poor guys out there I mean, Kyle Pitts is the only dude that people really know. I know Russell Gage played at LSU, so LSU fans probably know who he is, but he hasn't did really much in the NFL. Um, and, and the guy, um, Zacharias, or however you say his name, uh, you know, I ain't Joe Buck. I can't roll it out like that. I got you. Alameda Zacchaeus plays college ball at Virginia, so you know I know him. Be respectful. Uh, oh, okay. That's why. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me put a little more respect on that. But um, got a great name. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it sounds like it should be in some type of museum. Um, but you know, yo, this this crew, uh, even Kyle Pitts, man, three catches with 29, they, they just it's just not gonna get the job done. And they was at home, and I can only imagine what them Falcon fans was looking at when I while they're watching this on Thursday night, just saying, like, sheesh, what are we doing, Arthur Blank and Arthur Smith? <laughs> Like, what are we doing? You know, so, I mean, long story short, man, it ain't really much to get into. Here's the deal. The Patriots came in here. They had a game plan to shorten the game and control the game. And they did, you know, they did what they needed to do. Like you said, four different interceptions was made by four different players. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, they came to play. Uh, and and to be honest, the context is this. Mac Jones seemed to be as good as as good of a rookie quarterback as you can ask for from a rookie quarterback. Atlanta is stuck in the middle of no man's land with a four and six record. Um, and we, that, I mean, basically Bill Belichick put on a master class. I think Josh McDaniels, they, they went out there, the defensive coordinator. I, I just think, you know, the Patriots did what the Patriots do. They control the game. They won it on eight terms. And they're moving on to the next week, which I think is a bye week. And, and the Falcons, they got to come back and try to figure it out again. But they're not good. Like, they're not a good team. And that's what we seen last night. Yeah, it's just appeared that um, classic case of two teams who might just be headed in uh, opposite directions. Just quick note on the Patriots bye week. They will play uh, Tennessee uh, next week. And then they'll be at Buffalo. And then they'll go on their bye week. Okay. Uh, but uh, look, five straight wins. They've four, four of them, four of these five wins in blowout fashion. They beat the Jets 54 13. Then you win by three against the Chargers, 24 6 against Carolina, 45 7 against Cleveland, 25 0 against Atlanta. Uh, in a, the, in a, the AFC is interesting in the fact that, you know, it's, it's kind of muddled. Like we're looking at Tennessee now as people think Tennessee is the best team and that this is without Derrick Henry. And I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm just refusing to believe that like Tennessee is gonna, we're gonna see Ryan Tannehill just lead the troops um, into the into a Super Bowl. I, I just I'm not, I'm not buying it. 
Uh, maybe with Derrick Henry, you can get me to, uh, to believe it. But, I mean, all these teams are flawed in the AFC, which the point is, I mean, New England's got to be taken seriously right now in that jumble of mess. Uh, we're going we're gonna to find out about them very shortly. They'll get Tennessee, and they'll be at Buffalo. Then off the bye week, they'll be at Indianapolis, and then they'll, they'll get Buffalo one more time before they finish up with Jacksonville and Miami. So at the very least, this is going to be a playoff team because you got two games at the end of the season that they should win. Uh, but those four in between, that'll give us a good indication, uh, especially against Buffalo. Those, those are going to be some games worth watching. You know, we th- I think we thought coming into this season based off of last year that Buffalo had kind of – they had a step on New England, had a clear advantage. And I, I don't know, based on what we've seen, look, Buffalo been up and down. Like they got a great uh, point differential, but – They've also had some games where you just scratch your head and you're like, what are y'all doing? I mean, the Jacksonville game comes to mind. Uh, then you have the, the 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 week one loss against Pittsburgh, who we just I don't think we were confident in Pittsburgh in that one. But um, they've been they've been a little odd this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how those teams, those two teams stack up in that division, which that's clearly what the division is about, uh, New England and Buffalo. But, you know, last night. I do, I do agree. I think they were somewhat conservative. I think Bill Belichick just looked at the game and said, look, this is going to be one of them games where I think we're just going to let the defense take care of it. Uh, we'll just play it relatively safe. Uh, we'll, we'll rely on the run game. We'll be very methodical in what we do. Uh, Mac just uh, protect the ball. He did, minus the one interception. Didn't wind up hurting them. And then you have the Falcons, who the Falcons are a little bit in disarray. This is still a team. This is post Julio Jones. Calvin Ridley, the guy who moved up from two to one. Now, he's not in the lineup, so you're left with Russell Gage. You're left with uh, Zacchaeus and, uh, and Tajay Sharp. You know, I, I didn't even know he still existed, but now he's in there running around. No Cordell Patterson last night. That really hurts because now you're left with Mike, the Mike Davises of the world and Quadri Ellison, another guy that I'd probably have to Google right now. Uh, you know, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, definitely their best weapon coming in last night. But I mean, you think about Bill Belichick, what's his calling card generally uh, on defense? He's going to take away your best option. And I think I saw some comments that were quite glowing um, about Kyle Pitts from Bill Belichick before the game. So that I mean, that was just a, a giveaway that like Kyle Pitts ain't winning this game tonight. We're going to take him out the game. They did to the tune of three catches, 29 yards. And the overall point is. I mean, this New England Patriots defense is is for real. It's something. It's it's a group of guys we got to respect. Uh, they paid a lot of money to a lot of guys in the off season. A lot of guys on the offensive side. Uh, the biggest acquisition to me looks like Matt Judon. He's up. I think he's at ten and a half sacks right now. I, I really just aesthetically, and it's not a it's not a big detail, but I I really like the red sleeves that he wears every week. I just it it makes him stand out. Like, and you think of that, like it's almost like. Hey, where's red sleeves? Okay, make sure you block that guy because he's he, he's got a lot of sacks. He might be coming to get me. It doesn't seem to be helping him though. Like he's he's playing great, and I think he's living up that contract. Uh, that's a guy they got from Baltimore to come over. I think Baltimore's pass rush has suffered a little bit, but I'm um, definitely on the on the defense. Who you think about in the front seven, especially on that line? They don't. I mean, they're they're not a they're not household names up there, but um. In the back end, in a, in a modern age where the secondary is key, and you think about a team post Stephon Gilmore, still a lot of talent over there. Whether with J.C. Jackson, uh, Devin McCourty, I thought Kyle Duggar was impressive last night. Uh, Adrian, I mean, they, they got a, they still got a pretty deep secondary, and uh, I really think 
for New England in that jumbled mess, who knows? Like, is New England's the hottest team in the AFC right now. Um, maybe maybe Tennessee a little bit, but I don't think Tennessee's playing this well. So um, that game next week against Tennessee, that's going to bear watching to see um, how these two teams stack up against each other. And for Atlanta, yeah, it's just um, – they ain't much there. I mean, the uh, they was missing some key guys offensively. It definitely hurt them. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't get any kind of run game going. And, uh, you know, you get behind – uh, you, you get one dimensional. You don't even have your, your requisite weapons out there. And then, you know, you end up with closing the game with four straight interceptions. Uh, I really think, you know, it, it's almost like it may have been like better for Atlanta to just be garbage the entire way and come into this game like uh, two and seven last night. Because now it's a case of like, how the hell were we four and four at one point? Because we got our doors blown off for two straight weeks. And it's just like, Why'd you even like get us excited about this group of guys? Like they, they clearly, they clearly are who we thought they were. I didn't believe Atlanta was going to be any good this year. You didn't believe Atlanta was going to be good at this year. Now, now I got to look at like how those guys in the locker room feeling. How you feeling, Arthur? Oh, which one? Both of them. Because your team looking kind of blank, and you're looking a little bland. You got a little Pat Shermer feel to you, Arthur Smith. So, yeah, this was this was a disaster, and I think it's uh. It'd be hard to imagine, like, even with even if you get Calvin Ridley back, Cordell Patterson, you're at full strength. Like, they're just, they're just not very good. And I just – I think Atlanta's going to continue to slide and they'll be the worst team in that NFC South when it's all said and done. Okay, so heading over to the NBA Wednesday night, we had the um, the last two world champions play each other. That's the LeBron-less Lakers against the, um, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the Bucks won the game by, by seven points, 109 to 102. Um, Giannis went bonkers for a hot 47. Um, he was the high man of the game in general. The high man for the Lakers was um, Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, he dropped 25 for the Lakers. So, with that said, Jay, what, what, what did you get out of this game? What, what, what was the, the high points and the low points that you pulled out of this game for both teams? Well, I think both teams, uh, you know, setting it up of both of them, these are the two last NBA champions. Uh, neither team looks capable of that at this particular moment in time. Um, definitely uh, the way Giannis played, that was uh, no doubt his best, best game of the season. He was fantastic in all uh, facets of the game, especially shooting the basketball, 18 for 23. Uh, three for four from downtown and, you know, solid from the free throw line, eight for 11. I think you'll take that 73%. Um, and the big, and the big point, what made it even more impressive for Giannis is that he was playing Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis uh, did not measure up in any way to what he should be doing. Uh, 18 points and nine rebounds, nine for 15, just <clears throat> not enough. Uh, when you're playing without LeBron James, you know, you got, I understand LeBron being out, it matters. And I understand like, even with LeBron, I would look at Giannis as the best player on, on the court at this stage, no disrespect, but you still do have, I mean, you still got AD and you still got Russell Westbrook. And it just makes you wonder why these guys weren't better. I mean, 37 points, 31 shots, I just didn't see enough from them. And it's almost, it's just, 
if it, it's almost and I'm looking at this from a from a futuristic standpoint, it's almost a bit of a preview for the Lakers post LeBron. And it goes back to maybe some things you've criticized AD before, if I'm remembering correctly. As a number one in New Orleans, really, what did you do? So now you have a situation where the Lakers been playing without LeBron for a stretch. It hasn't gone that well. They're, they're out here treading water at eight and eight. And um, not only is AD the one, but you have a really good number two in Russell Westbrook. So it, that doesn't look promising as you look ahead post LeBron and just with all the trades that they've made to, uh, to win right now. I mean, you got, you got THT, you got Monk, Kendrick Nunn at some point will play, but outside of that, you know, it's a bunch of like hired mercenaries. Like no one's building a team around Wayne Ellington and uh, you know, Deandre Jordan, you know, he's playing uh, five minutes a game and just, coming in to, you know, stretch his legs almost. It's just, it, I'm looking, I know I, the Lakers, are, the goal is to win right now, but I think like Rob Palenka has done a really nice job of like just crafting this team to make it fit for right now. But at some point you got to look long-term, long-term with AD as your one, like, what are you going to do? And you got, and AD's got to, you, you talked about it earlier before we got on about it. Like, is, is he hungry? And maybe it's a point, are, are either one of these teams hungry because they're your recent, recent champions? Maybe that's a little bit of reason Milwaukee's starting slow. But yeah, from the Lakers, uh, it, it's not promising. And I don't know if LeBron in year 19 can come in and just make this work all of a sudden because, you know, I had questions about the whole LeBron Westbrook fit from the jump. And so I'm really concerned about the Lakers. We know the West is... It's competitive. It might not be as stout as it's been in recent years. Uh, but for the Bucks, I think, as usual, I'm looking at two guys in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday who, uh, much like last season, they'll determine how far the Bucks go. Uh, Giannis, he, he's going to do what he does. He's If he's not the best player in the world, he's the second best player in the world. And I think what you saw last night from Giannis that is the best player in the world because if he hits shots, if he hits jump shots with any degree of regularity, I mean, it's over because that's the one huge advantage that KD has on him. KD can just score the ball from anywhere. Um, he doesn't, I think, I, I still think he's lost a little bit of that explosiveness getting to the rim, but it doesn't matter. He can still score from wherever we saw it in the playoffs last year, uh, including the semifinals against the, uh, against, against the, Buc the Bucks net series. So, but yeah, I mean, Chris Middleton last night, I made a comment last night. This dude was a flat line in the first half. He didn't hit a shot from the floor until fairly late in the third quarter. He did hit a few big shots. He had back-to-back -back threes that made a big difference. But I mean, Holiday, you know, we we, uh, we love Holiday for what he does, you know, on the defensive end. But I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, like 14 points on the season on average is, is not going to be enough. But he's got to get his shot going. Both guys have struggled, struggled from the floor. We know Middleton is a guy who's normally in that 50-49 uh, conversation. Right now, he's at about 42% uh, from the floor and about 27% from three, uh, respectively. And uh, respectfully, that's that's not good. And Holiday, he's under 40% from the floor overall. So I think once those guys get their shots going, and I think once you see Brooke Lopez come back, you still don't have Dante DiVincenzo back. 
when you be able to slide Bobby Portis back to his bench role, because I still love, I love Portis coming off the bench for this team and that energy that he brings. And Pat Connaughton, both those guys, Connaughton and Portis really were the second and third best players from Milwaukee last night. But uh, once they're whole again, and don't forget, like Lopez is a big part of this team too. Um, I think Milwaukee's gonna, you're gonna see them start climbing up the standings a little bit. The Lakers, I think, uh, I think they'll, they're gonna get better. Uh, they have to, they just, you can't have LeBron, AD and Russell Westbrook playing and just play 500 basketball. That's just, I, I just can't imagine that being the case. But come playoff time, I mean, we've just seen too many examples of Russell Westbrook in playoff basketball to where it doesn't work. You called it erratic earlier. I think it is erratic. And I'm to the point with Russell Westbrook that I just don't have a whole lot of faith in him uh, unless he's in transition, just attacking repeatedly. And, I mean, it's look, it's LeBron James. I don't think LeBron wants to be in a track meet at this stage of his career. I mean, it's almost like, you know, when Mike D'Antoni came to coach the Lakers, when they had uh, a 40-year-old Steve Nash, uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Artest, he was slow, or World Peace, whatever he was going by at the time. And then you got Gasol and Dwight Howard. Like, what, we don't need a track meet right now. Play some half-court ball. It don't make no sense. So um, that, that's, what, that's my con- – I'm, I'm concerned about the Lakers. Uh, I, do feel, I do feel confident Milwaukee is going to get this thing going uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, so just just a little admin note. This game was played on Wednesday night. Um, right. So, okay. First of all, for the Lakers and, and, and my fellow Laker fans, think about how outrageous it sounds when you say, hey, when LeBron come back, we're going to be better. You're talking about LeBron that's in year 19. So we're depending on a player that's in year 19. Just sit back, let that marinate a little bit, and think about that. Year 19, right? That's what we would depend on. And for what it's worth, LeBron is a top five player still in year 19. But the guy that we, we both think is number one, no less than number two, Giannis, comes into your house. AD and Westbrook. Together, drop 37 points. You said that. Giannis by himself drops 47 points. Oh, by the way, AD played one minute more than Giannis did. That. Oh, by the way, Giannis went straight at AD. It wasn't mm-hmm. would, no, um, hey, excuse me, man. I know you're a, a defense over defense player of the year candidate. Let me move around the side. No, no, Giannis said, hey, I'm hungry and it's time to eat. Yep. And if I got to go through you to eat, uh, I guess um, I'm going to go through you and eat. Finish him. Fatality. <laughs> like, listen. The Lakers, I think the Lakers are in trouble. I, I really do. And here's why. Can they fix it? Yes. As a Lakers fan, first of all, I, I, will, I, for one, justified this Westbrook thing because I was like, hey, he hungry. So he'll be a guy that'll be able to take care, you know, take care of the ball handling duties when LeBron ain't playing because in year 19, you know he's going to miss a good amount of games. And Westbrook has not lived up to the bill. I'm sorry, but he just has not lived up to the bill. If you actually watch Westbrook play this year, I have not seen a guy that missed so many layups three points and free throws and we call him a superstar 
I mean, literally, we Westbrook, we consider him a superstar, and this guy can't make a point blank layup to save his life. God forbid if he go to the free throw line in the last minute of the game. Oh, you know what, Westbrook? Wide open three, man. Go on, hit that for the game. Oh, no, you can't clink brick? Okay, cool. <laughs> and that's supposed to be your second best player. Then you got AD out here looking like a doggone Jello commercial because he's just as soft as it gets. He got Giannis just <laughs> going through his chest to get to, like, to get to the rim. I mean, Giannis was feeling himself so much last night that he went three from four from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. That's when you know you're feeling yourself when you're Giannis. Three points away from 50. Oh, you know our best defensive player was out there. Oh, yeah, AD was out Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to guess because he, he was playing so much good defense that he only scored 18 points. That's how good he was playing on defense. He came out there with the old Drew Holiday special. I'm going to play good defense, so don't worry about the scoring. This, this is unacceptable when the best player for the Lakers, you know, was a guy that we, was pretty much overshadowed until the Lakers wouldn't give him up for Kyle Lowry. And, that, and that's THT. Oh, by the way, THC just came back off of injury. I think this is like his third game off of injury. And he did come back to be marginally the best player. He played 39 minutes last night. This is this team was supposed to build be built to be able to withstand the storm without LeBron. Yet and still, yeah, that 500, but how many of those games LeBron? Because LeBron played a little bit before he 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 went on his hiatus. And Primetime basketball. I, I, I'm listen. I'm just gonna keep it real. I'm, I was I'm trying to be nice because I'm I'm a Lakers supporter here, but this crap is not what playoffs. You talking playoffs? Listen, yo, yo, this might be another first round exit messing around with this crap right here. I'm telling you right now, if Westbrook don't show that he can do something other than turn over the ball, <laughs> like, and AD don't drop his his sack for lack of term like if he don't become a man sometime soon like this is ridiculous yo i've never seen he has to be the softest defense of the year candidate i ever seen like you let Giannis come here and go right through your chest all game long every day of the week i'm open twice on sunday that's what Giannis did Giannis said hey middleton you look like you want to take the night off. Go ahead. Hey, um, look, Holiday, we, we love your defense. We love what you're doing on the defense side. Take of the a ball. holiday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Take a holiday. No pun intended. But listen, they don't they don't play that good of offense, so we kind of don't need your, your top-notch elite-level defense. So you could kind of just, you know, mail that thing in without a stamp. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we saw on Wednesday. I mean, granted, the Lakers fought back. They end up losing the game by seven. But all in all, listen, this is this is the NBA. Let's keep it real here. We didn't tune in to watch Pat Connaughton versus Malik Monk. You said that. That ain't what we tune in to watch. We tune in to watch Giannis, Middleton, you know, Holiday, AD, Westbrook, you know, even Camelo. Like, that's what we tune in to watch, right? And I'm, I'm sorry, but Giannis is the only guy that we tune in to watch that actually showed up to play. Everybody else kind of just was like, 
Hey, appreciate that ESPN. Appreciate that TNT. We're going to holler at you. And I'm one of these people. I don't expect teams to play to their best, best um, their top optimal ability every night because you play 82 games. And I got it. That lonely, cold, frisky night on Wednesday, yeah, you might have barely did. I got that. But at the end of the day, man, honestly, what is AD's calling card? You ask, is that rhetorical or you want me no, to no, say no, something? No, 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 no. That's a real question. Well, what is AD calling card? If you had to give me one attribute, what is his best attribute? I think, I think reputation, reputationally speaking, it'd be, it'd start with what he can do on the defensive side, offensively, okay. his offensively, just his versatility and how many different things he can do. But I, mean, I think, I think your assessment is correct. Um, yeah. Giannis, Giannis dominated him, which is kind of, you know, if you're looking at this game with no LeBron, it's the Giannis AD matchup. And, you know, I talked about, you know, post post the bubble championship, like it'd be a great argument that Anthony Davis is a top five player in this league. Well, if you are, you can't get blitzed to that degree in an individual matchup when you're a, a defensive player of the year candidate and you just you have just a terrific skill set that and it's just it, it was just not on display last night. It was, it was very disappointing. Listen, listen to the stat line for AD. I'm looking at this stat line. I'm like, oh, this is this is beautiful here. 18 points. 37 minutes, 9 of 15 from the field, which is not bad. I'm not knocking that. 0 from 1 from the 3, not really concerned with that. 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 blocks, and he was a plus 5 differential. You know, the, the one thing not in there is he, he didn't have a he didn't attempt a, a free throw. That would be something to be quite alarming. AD, you score 18 points, you only give me 10, you give me 9 rebounds. Like... Can you make yourself useful? Like, I, I say this a lot to you. If you're not going to do what you're known for doing, please do something else. Do, I remember in the NBA Finals, I said this about Devin Booker. If you're not going to score the ball, can you give me something else? And he can't give you nothing else. Not and that was, pretty, fouls. that was pretty evident pretty fast, right? That This is why I'm, li I'm a little frustrated with AD. Because now, not only did you not give me the defense, you didn't give me the offense. You don't give me no leadership. What in the hell do you give me, man? What are you giving me as the number one guy when LeBron is off? And and then you bring, like you said, Westbrook, the third best player on the court. He gave me 19 points in 36 minutes. He went seven for 16, which for him is not all that bad. He actually hit two two out of five threes, so that ain't bad. And he went three for four. So, you know what? I mean, at least he gave me 15 assists. You know what I'm saying? At least... He was doing something. Usually he ain't giving you 15 assists either. He just out here just flopping around, just yelling at people. It's just, I just, I, man, I'm a little upset with this. Either way, so I, I got, let me, listen, good win for the Bucks. you know. Like you said, the Bucks got a lot of things going on. Probably the reason why they're not in a better position. No Brooke Lopez. Um you know, Holiday still on a holiday. He he probably over there wondering what the protocol gonna be for the NBA for Thanksgiving. And Middleton, <laughs> you know, Middleton. That's how Middleton do. He kind of Middleton reminds me. They do this disappear and then they come back and they disappear and then they come back and 
and they, you know, they both like max contract guys that disappear and come back and hey guys, I'm still here. Like that's that's Middleton, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Parallel with um Tobias Harris. So either way, good good win for them. I hope if these teams meet again, which I think they will meet and when Milwaukee is at home, um we need a better performance from AD and uh, Westbrook. I mean, you cannot hinge your season on a guy that's in year 19. You just can't do that. That's just not that's not a good plan. I don't think that's a feasible plan. And it's just unacceptable as a Laker fan. All right, moving on to the world of college football. Got some uh, got some big ones out there. The Big Ten taking center stage when uh, number seven Michigan State takes on number four Ohio State, a, a huge game in terms of the Big Ten East. Uh, later on, you've got Arkansas and Alabama in the dun, 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 game of the week. And then uh, also Michigan will try to remain uh, with one loss when they'll take on Maryland. Uh, in the Pac-12 on the ABC night game, you've got uh, number three, Oregon, a slight underdog against Utah and also another underdog is number 10, Wake Forest, when they go on the road to take on Clemson. Drink, what are you uh, What are you looking for this weekend? A uh, lot of action-packed enthusiasm there, Jay. Um, so so you, you mentioned the first game, number seven, Michigan State, going on, um, going to the shoe to play number four, Ohio State. We, we know the significance of this game. Both teams with one loss, both teams trying to get to their respective championship game. We're under the belief that as long as one of these teams, you know, make it to the um, championship game with one loss, win the championship game, they're shoe-in for the playoffs. Where that road starts here with these two teams. We already seen the result of Michigan State and Michigan. Now this is the second of the three legs, and then we'll have one more when Ohio State play Michigan. Um, listen, Vegas got it almost 20 points for Ohio State, and I'm with them. I said this last week. I think Ohio State can flop around for a good half and then put it on them in the second half and go on close the show. Here's the thing. As much as I like Michigan State, as much as I like Mel Tucker, he's not there yet. Michigan State is not there yet. They're not They're not there at the point, even though they got a lot of transfers that's coming in and doing good things. Ohio State ain't full of no transfers, buddy. This is straight recruiting here. These are guys that was in the system. These are guys that Ron Day got there. And who <clears throat> I forgot the name of their wide receiver coach, but this dude is the best wide receiver coach in the nation when it comes to recruiting. Because somehow this dude, the only dude I know putting out three, four, five stars per per cycle. Even Alabama gotta, you know, take a four-star here and there. But oh, oh, whoever this guy is at Ohio State, man, let me tell you, he's killing the game with the wide receiver. So with that said, listen. This is a team, you think about this with Ohio State, because I look at this when, when, when we evaluate the SEC. Ohio State got, pop. I know Michigan State has the most popular running back, but I think Travion Henderson is better. I'm just going to keep it real. Like I got it, Ken, Kenneth Walker could win the Heisman this year. Got it. But I like Travion Henderson better. When it comes to wide receiver, it ain't no match. It just ain't no match. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, uh, uh, Jeebo, however you say the rest of his name, it's no match. Them dudes, uh, I think, they just elite. All you need is C.J. Stroud to come in there ready to play, and this is probably going to be a, a, a over quick fashion in the herd, something similar to what, what they did to Purdue because that offensive line will move. 
uh, Michigan defense line, I think. So, either way, I, I'm going to say I think Ohio State covers. I really do think they're going to cover. Um, Wake Forest and Clemson, here's the deal. And we talked about this. Clemson is favored by four and a half. Clemson is favored by four and a half. Folks, let me tell you something. This ain't the Clemson that we used to. This Clemson is full of guys that want to hit the transfer portal right now. And they don't want to hit the transfer portal to come to Clemson. They want to hit the transfer portal to leave Clemson. Um, this is a very, uh, shall I say, October 31st feel, spooky feel for Cleveland. Well, I mean, I mean why well, I say Cleveland? Clemson. Uh, very spooky feel for Clemson because in the last, what, five or six years, we're not used to seeing Clemson like this. I mean, they're, they're downright unwatchable this season. Yet it's still... They still a four-and-a-half-point favorite. So what that tells me is Vegas don't believe in Wake Forest. Vegas just like the story of Wake Forest, but they don't believe in Wake Forest because ain't no way Vegas is putting a lettuce on Clemson if they believed in Wake Forest. So that should be, like you say, that should be a storyline to look into. Um, number 21, Arkansas going on. Number two, Alabama. Uh, listen, Vegas got Alabama uh, favored by 20, um, and I think that's about right. I think – for the first time since the Miami game, I think we're going to see a motivated Alabama team come out here and play. And I, I, I think they're going to be too much for Arkansas. I think Arkansas, outstanding season. Sam Pittman doing some things. But I think now that we're in November and we're really about to get, I think now we're going to see, see some serious ball because Alabama knows this. They can't afford to lose another game. This is what it is. Can't afford to lose another game. And at this point, you kind of got to, you, we might need some star points from Alabama because you got a lot of teams, you got a lot of pundits out there saying, I don't know why, why in the hell Alabama number two, what they do so special. You know, they play in the SEC, I got it, but what they do so special. So it might be close to that time of, like we say about, you know, Cincinnati almost, it might be star point time because here's the problem. The team I think Alabama really running a parallel with right now is Ohio State. And Ohio State is, however, putting up style points. That what they did to Purdue, that is style points. They went out there and waxed Purdue. Purdue was supposed to be this up-and-coming team that was sneaking up on everybody. By the way, Purdue was number number 19 in the country last week. So, Ohio State went and took care of them like a third-tier team like they were supposed to. What that tells me is, Alabama, we're going to have to start pressing the gas and start showing that we deserve to be the number two team. As we get closer to that final ranking, as we get closer to bowl season you, and championship weekend, I should say, Alabama got to – we got to start showing that we're a more complete team. I hope we should see that. Um, listen, you slid Michigan and Maryland in here with a, and they getting programmed on the Big Ten network. So I'm, I'm skipping that one. I'm going to just downright skip that one. Um, number three, Oregon. Going to, uh, going to number 23, Utah. This is going to be a barn burner. This is another game, um, just like the Clemson and Wake Forest game. Utah is a three-point favorite. Hmm. Chin scratch. It's a reason, though. Evidently, Vegas, once again, say, listen, Oregon might Oregon, – Oregon is similar to Alabama to this. They play down to competition. They play up to competition. They played Ohio State – you got all we got, baby. We're going to give it to y'all. You play Stanford? Uh, yeah, we forgot how to run the ball. So this is what Oregon has been doing. And a lot of teams been up and down like this. I'm not just beating up on Oregon. A lot of teams. But clearly Vegas think since Utah going to be at home, 
if they play down to the competition, they're going to lead up with an L. That they think Utah can get down and get that last-minute field goal. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. I do like that. Um, that's going to be a barn burner. And listen, that game is probably going to decide the fate of the Pac-12 as well. Um, because Oregon lose two losses. They they probably still end up being the highest ranked Pac-12 team. Um, and I don't I, I, I don't know how you survive that in the Pac-12. I mean, listen, the conferences are not equal. We know that. SEC, Big Ten up here. Um, usually the ACC somewhere in the middle. I guess this year you got to put the Pac-12 somewhere in the middle. And then you got the Big 12. And then the ACC is down under my carpet here. So with that said, you know, Oregon, if they lose, that really will put a, um, a, a hamper a restraint on the uh, Pac-12. And then the last game you got here, number nine, Oklahoma State versus Texas Tech. It's very interesting that they only giving Oklahoma State 10 points because Texas Tech is very bad. And Oklahoma State been playing very good uh, football, at least consistent football week in and week out. And they only give them 10 points. So some tell me that they think Texas Tech is going to empty the kitchen sink in this one. Still lose, but empty the kitchen sink. Um, so, and and listen, if Oklahoma State was to go stuff they told against Texas Tech, oh, man, you, you might as well going to count the Big 12 out too because that means when Oklahoma played Oklahoma State, the interest right. level going to be like, yeah. eh, eh. So, with that said, man, I, I think we got a couple of games that that would definitely impact the playoffs. Um, you know, like you said, the 3:30 game in CBS, uh, that that 12 o'clock. Um, hold up, wait a minute. Michigan State and Ohio State, not the big noon kickoff. Uh, big noon is uh, Oklahoma and Iowa State somehow, which oh, I, I did I did see that as well. Oh, I, that did oh. that did make me scratch my head. Like, mm, I don't. That doesn't. It doesn't seem as big noon as we could get. Like I'm a little, little disappointed on that one. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you, man, it's college scheduling. It'll throw you off. Um, CBS, the only ones get they act together. They, when they got two powerhouse teams playing, they put them on at the right time. If they got four powerhouse teams playing, they both going to play on the same day on CBS. Like, they the only ones got it together. With that said, that's how I see those games, Jay. What say you? Yeah, you got – um. Got what I like to call some elimination games um, that we're starting to look at, uh, even though there's still next week, rivalry week, and then uh, championship week. But uh, definitely top of the list is Ohio State and Michigan State. That's an elimination game. Whoever loses, it's going to it's gonna be their second loss, and they're, uh, they're going to be out, left out in the cold. Ohio State, man, it's hard. Like We've been, we've been watching them clo- uh, fairly closely. And, and we've also been watching uh, Michigan, Michigan State, and that's the two teams left for Ohio State. They win those games. They're going to roll in very confident to the Big Ten title game. And if they roll through that, uh, they're going to be in, no doubt about it. And just really opportunity to build on uh, the resume. Their one loss is Oregon, so that's not going to hurt them. I mean, they, no doubt, these both these teams control their own destiny. Michigan does as well, but... Uh, it's just, it's the same thing that we've been talking about. Ohio State can uh, they got the explosiveness and they have the talent to where they can survive some less than stellar play for a lengthy period of time. Michigan State and Michigan they just don't have the maybe the the quarterback play and the, the explosive the explosiveness on the outside to uh, compete 
in a – I mean, if the game gets – if either of these two games, this game against Michigan State and against Michigan, if they're shootouts, uh, Ohio State going to win them because I don't think either team can – can score to to Ohio State's degree. They're going to need both of these teams, Michigan State and Michigan, to need to run the ball, control the clock, and take and protect the football, and not shoot themselves in the foot with penalties and these other and these and turnovers to have to have a chance. But if they let the game get out of control and it's a track meet, you, I think you can go ahead and forget about it. Ohio State going to going to win both games. That is a pretty significant line, uh, 19 and a half. That's a lot of points to give up when you're looking at the seventh best team. So uh, I don't know if, I mean, Ohio State could very well get them out of here quick, fast, in a hurry, and it could be a a, 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 a sort of a blowout. But, um, you know, so, something tells me, like, I don't I don't really see, I don't know if Michigan, I, I think Michigan State's going to stay within striking distance. I say they may lose by 10, but I think, look, I mean, they know this is the biggest game on their schedule, you know, besides Michigan probably, but uh, it's just hard to, it's hard to see Mel Tucker he doesn't seem like the kind of guy his team is going to shrink in the moment. So I think they're going to put up a good fight. Hey, quick question. Who's the leading receiver for Michigan State right off the top of your head? I could not tell you that in the leans. But I do okay. know, like, I think, look, I think you're going to see Kenneth Walker. He's going to, the game's going to be all about Kenneth Walker against the Ohio State defense. And um, I think he's going to do enough to keep him in it. I, I, just, I don't think it'll wind up being enough. But um, that's how I see that one. I think, um, look, in regards to Bama uh, hosting Arkansas, and I don't quite get the – I know Bama lost one game, and they're number two, and they're in front of – they were in front of other teams who appeared to maybe be somewhat better. But, look, you think about all the teams that they play, and I know Florida turned out to be a train wreck this year, but Florida was a team that people had respect for back when they played them. You got to win against Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State, now you got a chance to get two more SEC East teams who have been in the rankings at some point. I mean, Arkansas is going to be at the rankings after this week, most likely. But um, two, look, two more SEC West teams. Right, right. And uh, Auburn's been in and out the rankings too. So, look, I mean, it's just when you play in the SEC, you're going to have – you're going to play teams with serious talent who even teams who aren't necessarily contenders, the committee is going to show a certain level of respect to them. And we see well, Mississippi State's a perfect example. They out here, they win a game, lose a game, and they just in and out the rankings. And they love, they what, four losses now? So the, the, the thing about Bama, what you say about style points, is I don't think in regards to the, the playoff, style points don't matter. I don't think they matter at all. Because if they win their games, they're going to get in. The thing about these last two weeks against Arkansas and uh, Auburn, why style points matter, I think it matters – to the confidence of this team when you go up against Georgia in the SEC title game. Georgia's been, from st- pretty much the entire season, they've just been dominating people. They've been they've been putting a bow on these games. By the start of the fourth quarter, we're wondering, all right, what's the next game on the schedule? Who, who, who we got next? Bama's been a little bit more like the, the LSU game comes to mind. Like, why are we sitting around with, I mean, Ed Orgeron, he a lame duck. Uh, his team, half the team is hurt. Um, you know, they came and practice but at one time they, oh, we can't practice because we ain't got enough people out here to, pl- to practice. Right. And they, yet they, they, uh, they're in a six point game. That would be somewhat concerning to me. Just, you know, meanwhile, you're looking at the team that you're going to go up against. They just waxing everybody. I think Bama needs to, they need, they need to, they need style points for themselves, not for the committee. They need style points 
to be confident and feel like, okay, Georgia, like we get it. We got respect for them. We know how good they are, especially on defense. But we need to we need to blow the we need to blow Arkansas and Auburn out so we can feel more confident and say, okay, we've played some quality teams in the past few weeks and we've sent them packing pretty early. That's where I think style points come into play. Well, and I would say this: you got to remember. I mean, Georgia undefeated, so I, on a, a normal year this will work. But Arkansas and um, Auburn would be common opponents to Georgia. So when, when, like you say, with the team psyche, or when people go to compare the two teams, if they end up meeting in Atlanta, you know what I'm saying. That, the reason I say the style points, like I said, like you said, it don't matter once you get in the playoffs. One point, two point, it don't matter. But the reason I say the style points is because when you start having teams behind you that's doing the same exact thing, it, it gets hard to justify why one team is this place and the other team is this place when they're doing the same exact thing. That's why I was saying the style points. That's how you got to – it's kind of – it go hand-in-hand with the eye test. I know what I see, then I got the results. That's why this team is better. And by the way, their chairman do a very good job this year explaining this stuff. They should have had a chairman like him on the playoff committee before. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, Oregon, Oregon and Utah, that's a that's a conference elimination game. If Utah upsets the apple cart, which Vegas thinks they will, then Pac-12 is going to be left out of this thing. I mean, it's just no no other way to look at it. And, um, I mean, that's Utah is one of the better uh, programs the Pac-12 has to offer uh, uh, outside of Oregon. Um that, that, that's gonna be one worth watching because I mean it's not it's not unusual to see like Oregon just come out here and disappoint. So that does bear watching. And if you're a team like Cincinnati, for instance, uh, you're gonna you're gonna have your Utah apparel on if if you right. got any. Or you're gonna be you're right. gonna be uh, you're gonna be cheering for Utah in that one. The other one uh, to where you got a top ten team as an underdog. I just uh, what that game feels like to me. Wake Forest, Clemson. That feels like a last stand type game for Clemson. Like as far as, okay, we got Wake Forest coming in here. Wake Forest all of a sudden think they're a serious contender, which I, I'm with Vegas on this one. I don't think they're all that serious, <laughs> but like, it, I don't know if the, I, Clemson, like you gotta, are you gonna like, you're gonna sit over here. Are you gonna get your doors blown off by the new, the demon Deacons and Dave Clawson or whoever's running this, this, uh, this clown car. I just come on, man. Like you gotta, you gotta show some. Um, you gotta take some of these. I mean, you still been recruiting at a, a pretty high level. These guys are gonna come out and they gotta show me something. Like, are you? Are we really watching the disintegration of uh, the demise of one of the best programs in America into just uh, back to the old Tommy Bowden years when? You know, you went eight and five and made a bowl game and it was that's that's all we could do. Now, this is just I think it's a last stand type of game for Clemson. Even if they win it, I don't I think they need Wake Forest to lose next week, too, to get into the ACC title game. But I think um, I think, look, this this to me, I don't think Clemson's they've been done from the playoff pretty much for a while. But this, right. it's a pride game, I think. Like how much pride does this team have and does it does this program have to come out here and get what we what would be a really big win. It would not wait for us on out of here. And um, I think for the in that game, as far as how it'll play out, uh, Clemson's defense been pretty stout most of the year. It's the offense that just has been just awful. Now we got Justin Ross 
He's going to be uh, out for the ne next few weeks. May not, probably won't play again for Clemson. He's going to enter the draft. But um, I think uh, it Clemson needs that one to be a low-scoring game because they're DJ that, that offense for DJ. Uh, how these I can't say his last name, but you know, look, DJ, it ain't been a great year. I was told that he the next thing smoking uh, after uh, after Sunshine left town, and it just ain't it ain't been pretty. Now you got we looking at Tony Elliott, the offense court, like, what are you? Could you draw up something that works, please? I know you got this. You got this five star Will Shipley fellow. Can can we see a bit of him, please? It's just been terrible. So uh, that's what I'm looking at at that game, and then I put Michigan in here because. They still a team that control their own destiny. Uh, that's why they're in here. I, and I, something tells me I, I don't think they're gonna run run over Maryland. I don't. I think they'll. I think they'll flop around. It'll. It might be a one possession game, just because it's a it, it's a game on the road. And um, I just something. I, I just got a funny feeling about Michigan. I, I and I think look, they might have a letdown because they might they might be looking ahead to next week to Ohio State, the one that really matters. So that, that's what I see in that game. Oklahoma State, they got a chance. They need style points. They got to keep playing like they have the past uh, three weeks. And yeah, 10 points ain't much at all. I, I think they're going to keep going. I think I don't think they have a letdown. I think they keep rolling and they'll be ready for Oklahoma next week. All right, time to finish off the show with rap reactions. A lot of topics, a little bit of time. Take it away, Drink. Let's roll, Jay. Early in the week, Michigan rewarded men's basketball coach Jawan Howard with a new five-year contract that would keep him in Ann Arbor through the 2025-2026 season. Your thoughts? Uh, former member of the Fab Five, uh, great career in the NBA, he's, and he's been nothing but excellent since he came back to Michigan, you know, replacing uh, John Beeline, who was a great coach in his own right. Recruiting classes off the chart. Yeah, this is an easy win for Michigan. The Staples Center is being rebranded. Beginning on Christmas Day, the home of the Lakers and Clippers will be called the Crypto.com Arena. Drink, where do you stand on the new name? It's a lot. It's, it's a lot to have a .com on the side of your um, <laughs> arena, especially when you think about you replacing the Staples Center. Like, that's... Yeah. I mean, it's a lot went down under that name. I'm not mad at rebranding. It's 2021. Crypto is a big thing now. And listen... They paid $700 million for the rights. So they let you know, as stupid as it might sound, they're getting this money. So, um, yeah, um, I mean, it's it's odd, but I, I understand that you got to rebrand every so often. And I guess now they, you know, they, they're catching up to the times. A Tampa Bay Times reporter alleged Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown obtained a fake COVID-19 vaccination card. Brown reportedly did not want to receive the vaccine because of the possible side effects. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? No deal. Uh, well, no deal for me. Uh, I could care less about it. Uh, have I thought about getting a fake vaccine card in the past? Yes, I have. Charge me with uh, a thought crime. Oh, but oh, wow. listen, listen, <laughs> it is a big deal for probably the federal authorities because this is a federal crime. So I hope there's a uh, investigation, a, uh, a thorough one, and I look forward to oh. hearing the results on this. Uh, Moving on, Clemson football coach Davo Swinney says wide receiver Justin Ross will have surgery to fix the stress fracture in his foot, and then he's going to begin preparation for the NFL draft. Uh, do you view Ross as a first-day, second-day, or third-day prospect? I will say this. It was a point in time where Ross was a first-day, um, coming, you know, coming off his true freshman season, um, you know, going into that second year. He was definitely a first-day guy. Now, 
fast forward to now, I'm, I'm going to have to take him as a third-day guy, especially if he's had, having his second, you know, major surgery since he's been with Clemson, and now he's going to prepare for the draft. I'm going to take him as a second-day guy. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to take him as a third-day guy. MLB, MLB awards are out amongst MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, and Coach of the Year. Which award winner surprised you the most, Jay? I think the National League Cy Young, which is won by Milwaukee Brewers starter Corbin Burns. That one, uh, not that Burns wasn't deserving, but I think some of the metrics pointed to maybe a better season for uh, the Philadelphia Phillies starter uh, Zach Wheeler. That's the that's the one that maybe I'll raise my eyebrows a little bit, but um, all the award winners, I think they were deserving and had really strong cases. The debate, excuse me, it appears Mel Tucker will coach Michigan State football for a long time as a Detroit Free Press reported that the Spartans have offered Tucker a 10-year, $95 million contract. Tucker worth that much drink? Listen, everything that, that we've seen thus far would tell you that he is. You know, listen, we've seen what Jimbo Fisher did. You know, you 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 got to think. You look at yourself and say, "Hey, Mel Tucker can do to the Big Ten what Jimbo Fisher has been able to do to the SEC up to this point." So I I, got, I guess I say, "Yeah, man." I mean, listen, he came there, he turned that program around like that. And listen, in today's day and age, to keep a guy like Mel Tucker, because we seen what he did with Colorado, he will book on you. You might want to show him the money, and uh, so that's what they're doing. And I, I think he's worth it so far. The debate around the NFL emphasized on taunting doesn't appear to be going away. In an appearance on the Dan Patrick Show, Saints coach Sean Payton said he believes officials are over-officiating those types of calls. Is he right, Jay? Of course he's right. And uh, look, when you go back to the Cassius Marsh penalty for the Browns on that Monday night game, uh, when you when you can't even like look at the sideline of the opposing team and just take like, two half steps toward them and they throw a flag on that when the referee like hips check hip checks you after the play i mean you're just doing too much and i get it you want you want to set the example for the young kids and uh you know whatever you're trying to do and just treat people with respect i get this i get it but at the same time it's a it's a game based on imposing your will on the the opponent and like i think part of that comes that it is like playing a game with emotion and just being able to express some of the emotions Look, I think every now and again, just, um, st- uh, you know, wagging your finger at the opposing player. I, I'm i not mad at it. I like, I like seeing some of that emotion. Sometimes you just can't take it too far. But the NFL, yeah, I think Sean Payton's absolutely right on this one. Tomorrow evening, it's UFC Vegas 43, Vieira versus Tate, ESPN Plus, at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. Main event, women's bantamweight fight between the number seven ranked contender, Caitlin Vieira, and the number eight contender, Misha Tate. Drink, who you got? Yeah, man, I'm going to take uh, Vieira in this one. Uh, listen, Misha, Misha Tate, former bantamweight champion, um, you know, Hall of Famer. She was retired. She came out of retirement, came back, you know what I'm saying, you know, want to make a cup, some more bucks, I guess. Um, either way, coming off a long layoff, I, I, I got to take the more active fighter. So I take Vieira in this one. I do think it go decision, and Vieira wins by decision. Bears pass Russia Khalil Mack will miss the rest of the season with a season-ending foot surgery. Does that spell the ends of the Bears' season now? I think I think their season was, uh, it's been DOA uh, re- regardless. Um, that offense stinks. Uh, Matt Nagy, he doesn't appear to really know what he's do- doing over there as an offensive coach. Um, but yeah, definitely this injury, it's not helpful. Now you got your best player out for the years. So um, yeah, they're, uh, I think it's safe to say the Bears are done. 
Last one tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. It's Porter versus Crawford at the Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. The WBO Welterweight Championship on the line when former WBC and IBF champ Sean Porter uh, meets the WBO champion Terrence Crawford, the undefeated Terrence Crawford. Drink should be a goodie tomorrow night, right? A goodie it will be, I think. Hey, listen, um, so a little background on this. Like, Sean Porter, he's a PBC fighter. Terrence Crawford is a top-ranked fighter. It's been within the last two or three years, the, both of these promotions has been looking for a way to, um, you know, cross their fighters. Most recently, the most successful one they've been able to do is Deontay Wilder and Ty, um, Tyson Fury. They've been able to get that one done, so now they're looking to expand more. So very excited. The welterweight division is, you know, probably right now the hottest division in boxing right now. Um, with PBC, with most other fighters, Terrence Crawford is the only fighter on the top rank um, roster that, that's in that mix as far as welterweight go. But with that said, it's going to be a good I'm going to take Terrence Crawford. Um, listen, even though he's not on the PBC roster, he should rethink that and get on the PBC roster because his talent would be very much appreciated over there a lot more than what he's getting that top rank. I'm going to take Terrence Crawford. It won't be a knockout. Sean Porter too tough to knock out. Um, but I'll take Terrence Crawford for the points. Definitely be a good L pay-per-view. All right. That concludes this evening's Drink of Wisdom. Thank you for joining us. And always, like, listen, share, subscribe. I'm Jay Wise. And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby. And ladies and gentlemen, this is a drink of wisdom.